Hello and welcome. Uh, you're listening to the Evolvepreneur Secret Show for Entrepreneurs, and I'm your host, Brian Silverthorne. And it's always my mission to help entrepreneurs make a difference with their businesses and to navigate the often messy worlds of startup and growth or relaunch. And today we're going to dig deep with our guest and get you the best concepts and strategies to fast track your business. And our special guest today is Wayne Mullins. And Wayne is a husband, a father of four, and he's the founder and CEO and an entrepreneur and an author. So he's got a lot going on. Welcome to the show, Wayne. Thank you so much, Brian. I'm excited about our chat today. I'm looking forward to it. So you got a lot in the bio that you submitted. So I'm going to give you a chance to uh, explain it and let us know what's going on in your life, how you got to where you are today, what your current focus is, that sort of thing. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, my my background and upbringing um, from a very early age, Brian, I was entrepreneurial. I remember back when I had uh, friends in elementary school, one year for Christmas, I got a bunch of baseball cards. Um, they were popular back then. And I got a bunch of baseball cards for Christmas. And when I had my friends over, over the, the rest of that kind of winter leading into spring, I would actually pay them baseball cards to go out and collect tin cans for me. So I wanted the tin cans so I could take the tin cans and turn around and go sell those <laughs> aluminum cans for some money. And, you know, th that was the first memory of actually kind of this entrepreneurial endeavor of taking something um, and then using that thing as leverage, something my friends wanted as leverage to get them to, in exchange, bring me something that I wanted, which was the aluminum or the tin cans that I could then go sell. Um, you know, if you fast forward all through high school and college, I worked quite a bit, um, you know, at various points I had two and three jobs, everything from cutting grass to cleaning houses, to construction, building uh, residential construction projects. And, you know, it was in my junior year of college that my parents gave me some CDs from this gentleman of the name Zig Ziglar. Oh yeah. Now, yeah. Mr. Ziglar. Mr. Ziglar. And, you know, from that moment on, um, Zig sold me on the profession of selling, I knew that I wanted to go and sell. So for those not familiar, those listening, not familiar, Zig Ziglar at one point was probably the world's most predominant sales trainer and motivational speaker. And he did a phenomenal job of selling me on the profession of sales. So after I graduated, I got a job in sales. And Brian, when I, when I got out, I was absolutely horrific. You know, despite listening to Zig Ziglar's teachings and despite my desire to be good at this thing called selling, I was atrocious. Um, but one of my traits, which is a positive and a negative, is I'm very stubborn. So I stuck with it. I kept trying. I kept knocking on doors, having doors slammed in my face, literally slammed in my face. Um, and after about a year and a half, I actually started getting good at this thing it's called selling. And it got to the point where I was selling so much. And then I would look at my sales report at all the sales that I brought in for the company. And then I would look at my paycheck and there, this gap between those two kept growing bigger and bigger. And I had this dangerous thought, Brian, it was, I wonder if I went and sold something for myself, could I actually make more money? And it was that thought that led me into starting a lawn and landscape company um, over the course of three years, took that from startup to a very large company, which I then sold 
Um, it was the result of that process of growth over a three-year period that I started having people come to me asking me for advice on how to grow a business. Um, they didn't really know what to ask for other than from the outside, they could see that the business was growing very rapidly and they wanted that growth. Um, what they really didn't know at the time was it was all about marketing, which was my answer. It was all about how to market and position and then to actually sell your product or service. So started consulting around those things and that you know, as they would say, luck would have it, I guess, led into what we have now, which is ugly mug marketing and uh, coming up on 14 years doing this full time. Wow. That's that's a an interesting story. So you started out with uh, developing an incentive based workforce, <laughs> trading baseball cards for for aluminum cans. And uh, you, you were kind of a I guess a contradict. A lot of people say if you're when you get into things, you need to fail fast but your stubbornness or your purpose kept you going long enough to, to start seeing things. So that, that, that's, that's very interesting. So what, uh, what type of marketing do you specialize in right now? Or you are, do you just a, kind of a generalist? Sure. Yeah. Great question. So my, my background and kind of what I studied and did um, it involved two things. Number one would be much more a direct response style of marketing um, as opposed to a brand building style of marketing. And then the other thing that we did that was completely different than what anybody was doing, and it's still, even to this day, it's still very different than what most people do. And that is, um, you know, the way we define marketing, Brian, is different than most people actually define the word marketing. You see, what I've learned over all these years is that so many people confuse advertising with marketing. They believe they're one and the same. And you know what that means is that means the ad rep who walks in the door from the local radio station or from, you know, the, the television station or selling postcards or, or whatever it may be, that person walking in selling the advertising becomes the strategist for most small businesses, you know, because as entrepreneurs, we're so busy, you know, we've got hundreds of plates spinning. We're trying to keep all the plates up and spinning and not let them fall and hit the ground. And so when the rep comes in and says, Hey, you know, I want you to know we've got this amazing promotion right now. You know, you buy this, you get all this extra ads for free, and it's going to be great for your business. And because we as entrepreneurs know that advertising is so important, we say, yeah, we'll do it. And then the rep says, okay, great. What do you want to say? What do you want the ad to actually say? <laughs> and what do we say? Well, I don't have time to figure that out. You go put something together and bring it back to me, and then we'll, we'll go from there. And so we end up as entrepreneurs, we often end up with ad reps running our marketing for us. And then we wonder why it's not effective. We wonder why we're not getting the results that we want. And so for us, the way that we define marketing is simply this. Marketing is your ability to attract and to keep a customer. And when we say keep a customer, we don't just mean keep as in, you know, we want a customer that that is happy and comes back and buys again. We want to keep a customer in such a way that they become an evangelist for our product, our service, or our company. And so a huge point of differentiation for anyone listening is this. Ask yourself this question, what percent of my marketing budget is going to attracting, which is like the advertising side of things, versus the keeping side of things? Now, Brian, I've asked this question to audiences as I've, I've shared and spoken um, throughout. And the thing is that 90 plus percent spend way more money on the attraction side 
and very little money on the keeping side. And so in today's crowded world, distracted world, with you know all the different data says, you know, we see between somewhere 3,000 and 7,000 different marketing messages a day. How do you possibly stand out? And the answer is you learn to convert normal, ordinary customers into evangelists and they will do the work for you. So you you make that uh, your, your story there kind of rings resonates with me. So uh, I, I did it early on in my 20s when I took over a small service company, but we don't need to get in about me maybe when it's appropriate. But but how do you uh, uh, through the marketing efforts, how do you make them evangelists or as they yeah. say, raving fans about the business? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so. Number one is you have to understand their expectations. So in other words, what does a reasonable customer have the right to expect in buying your product or service? And until you clearly define, I'm not just talking about sitting here and thinking, I'm talking about like grab a sheet of paper, pull out a sheet of paper and jot down at every point of interaction during the sales process, after the sales process, when the product or service is being delivered and they begin using it, what are their expectations at each point until you are crystal clear about those things you cannot consistently exceed expectations so if you're going to create evangelist you can't merely meet expectations right everyone every company that's their goal is to meet expectations they want their product or service to deliver what they say it's going to deliver if you want an evangelist your product or service has to in some way, shape or form exceed their expectations. And when you create that list of points, all the points of interaction, it gives you as an entrepreneur, as a marketer, it gives you multiple points to examine and say, how can we exceed their expectations at this point? Very true, very true. Exceeding expectations is always a, a great way to, to to grow your business. So it sounds like your process is pretty systematized. Um, so how, well, let's step it back. What, what's your ideal client look like? How do they find you? And what are the preliminary steps that you go through to convince them that this systematized approach is best for them? Sure, yeah. So our, our ideal client is what we would define as a growth-minded entrepreneur. Now, that means for us, it means we work with nonprofits. It means we, in some cases, actually work with church organizations. It means that we work with for-profits. It means we work with New York Times bestselling authors. The traits that we work best with is somebody with an entrepreneurial mindset and a growth mindset, which are not the same. They sound the same, but they're slightly two different things. But if someone has those two traits, then typically they're going to be a good fit for our approach. You see, often, you know, when we when we go into business, um, we end up in these situations where we get stuck doing the same things we've always done. And all we try to do is optimize on those existing things. And so when someone is entrepreneurial and when someone is growth minded, they are willing to quote unquote, tear down the house if they can find something else that is better, right? They're not so um, beholden to things just because we've done it for 30 years or just because that's the way it's always been or, or whatever it may be, or that's because, you know, that's the way it trickled down from the, the top down to us or whatever. They're willing to take chances. They're willing to do things 
that even those in their industry are not willing to do. That makes sense. So, so how how do they find you? What's your best uh, source of new, of new business? Ninety percent of our business, Brian, comes from word of mouth. It comes from referrals. You know, we we teach and we believe that having evangelist for your company for your product or service is the best way. It's the highest leverage way to grow a business. The problem is most people don't know how to systematize that side of marketing. And so for us, you know, we're based in Alexandria, Louisiana, population 48,000. The next biggest town um, that's bigger than this is 80 miles away. And there's about 100,000 people there. So we're in this, this place, small town, small communities all around. And yet from this place, you know, we're working with New York Times bestselling authors. We're working with publicly traded companies. Um, we're working with people in California. We're working with people in New York. We're working with people all over. And it's not because we have clever ad campaigns. It's not because, you know, we've got the, we've won these slick awards and we've got these trophies on the shelf. It is because we know how to create evangelists out of every client that we serve. Uh, well, that's excellent. It's it, with the today's technology. It doesn't matter where you're sitting, uh, as as long as you can can perform, and you've got to exceed the expectations of your clients as well. Um, so that that's uh, that's excellent. So uh, a lot of entrepreneurs, or most entrepreneurs, I'm going to say, uh, at some point in time, have things that keep them awake at night. You got anything that keeps you up at night, or you got things pretty well dialed in? You know, for me, Brian, I think for for so long that when I would wake up in the middle of the night, I thought that there was something wrong with me as an entrepreneur. Like, oh, it's because I've got these problems in my business or, oh, it's because, you know, my business isn't perfect yet. And I viewed it almost as this, this negative, like, you know, something's wrong with me or something's wrong with my business. And I read an article and I, I wish I've, I've gone back and tried to find this article and I cannot find it anywhere. But I read this article someone sent to me, and it was an entrepreneur who had spent 50 years building businesses, and he would then turn them over to the employees, so ESOPs, he would turn them over to the employees. And he talked about how during his entire, his entire career, it was rare that he wasn't up in the middle of the night thinking about something. And so he reframed what most would call worry or stress as thinking about. And he just talked about how as entrepreneurs, one of the things that makes us um, have the desire and have the courage to step up and step out, you know, in faith often that our idea is going to work is this visionary approach. It's the way our brains are often wired. And part of that is that we are always looking to connect things that may not otherwise be connected. And so the, his whole point in the article was, that he learned to shift the idea that waking up in the middle of the night was because of stress or because of worry or anxiety. And he instead allowed it to say, it's the way my brain processes. And when I wake up at night, instead of making it a thing of worry, I'm going to ask myself the question, what is attempting to be connected right now that I did not otherwise see? And so he took what may have been a negative or stressful and he shifted it. So that's my approach to this um, because you know, anyone who is passionate about their business, whether you're just getting started or whether you've been in business 30 years, 
there's always going to be things you can improve upon. And so if you beat yourself up because there's always something to fix or something to adjust, you're going to be pretty measurable. But instead, if you look at it and say, how are we improving? How is this thing, this area right now, an opportunity for growth for us? And so for me, I, I know I didn't directly answer the question, but what I would say is that um, the, the thing that keeps me up is always going to be something different based on what we're attempting to accomplish in our business. Excellent answer. I like it. It's a, a, a change in perspective. So now I'm going to have to think twice about asking that question to other people. <laughs> <laughs> but it's it's great that you turned it in, turned a pot or through that suggestion from the, the gentleman uh, that that gave you the idea through reading or whatever. Uh, it, it was a lesson learned on how you view things. So uh, one thing that you, you know, a lot of entrepreneurs kind of fail and give up because they run out of energy or they truly don't believe in what they're doing. And uh, you certainly have a lot of energy and enthusiasm. And it's very obvious that you're passionate about what you do and believe in what you do for the benefit of others. So have you got any secrets to help uh, entrepreneurs get to that position? Yeah. You know, Brian, for me, you know, I, I have a unique vantage point in the companies that we work with. So, you know, typically when people come to us, um, there's one or two reasons they come to us for help. Number one is they're kind of early on and they're needing help getting to a sustainable level, right? They're, they're needing kind of traction quickly to get up to a sustainable level with revenue and profits. Or number two, they're at a position or a place where they're really looking to scale. You know, so they're successful. They've reached a kind of a plateau and they're ready to go to that next level. And so it's from this particular vantage point that what I've discovered is that there's really kind of five phases that all businesses go through. And again, this is not like, you know, I don't think I read this anywhere. I think it's just kind of this outside observation peering into all these different these different companies. You know, just for reference, like right now today, we have about 70 active clients that we're working with. And so again, they're in all different industries, they're at all different stages. Um, so it's just a unique vantage point. But the five stages are simply this. Stage one is what I would call the me stage. And it's exactly what you just talked about, Brian, where it's learning to trust yourself. It's learning to have faith in your ability as an entrepreneur to make this thing, your business, come to life, right? To bring it to life from idea to life and to get legs underneath it. In other words, start selling people, start um, identifying relationships with vendors, all those other things. The next stage is what I would say the we stage. And that's where you have a couple of people on board. It's learning to trust other people with your baby. It's learning to trust them to do the things that you once did all by yourself, possibly. Um, the next stage is the they stage. And this is where you bring in systems and processes. And it's at this stage where what I see from outside looking in that so many entrepreneurs get in trouble because entrepreneurs by default, again, are very visionary. They don't like being held to a specific process or procedure. And the reason is they don't need them because we're going to do whatever it takes, right? Customer calls at 5 p.m. and says, we need something by tomorrow morning at eight. No problem. We're going to knock this out. We got this. But when you start introducing the we, right, the people, there becomes a need for system and processes at some point. And so it's when those system and processes begin getting introduced that so many entrepreneurs get in trouble because they begin bucking the very thing that's going to help them get to that next level. In other words, 
they believe, as entrepreneurs, we often believe that the rules apply to everyone else, but not to me. And so we create trouble for ourselves at that stage. The, the next stage down, I'm not going to go into detail on this one, is what I call the machine. This is where we learn to get myself, the team, and the system and processes all functioning together in unison. They're working well together. The fifth stage, which very few companies that, that we work with get here, but it's what I call creative destruction. And this is where you have to actually um, destroy the very things that may have gotten you successful. In other words, you can't get so, you can't hold on so closely to the things that once made you successful that you begin ignoring the new opportunities that come along. So those are the five stages that I see. Um, and again, I think for entrepreneurs, we get in trouble when we start moving between the we and the days. So from our team, begin implementing system and processes. And that is where we have to be careful that we don't begin treating ourselves as if we're above the rules or the systems or processes. Well, that, that's a, a very interesting way to look at it and it, make, and it makes perfect sense. And I think it might be a, a good way to close things out. So that's tremendous information for our listeners. So do you wanna tell folks how they can uh, get in touch with you? Absolutely, Brian. The easiest place for people to find me is our website. That's uglymugmarketing.com. Um, on there, it's got email addresses, social media, all the other stuff is right there on our website. Well, thanks to uh, Wayne Mullins. That wraps up another uh, great guest episode of the Evolvepreneur Secrets Show for Entrepreneurs. And before you go, if you uh, like the episode, please give us a five-star rating. And maybe if you would be so kind, refer it to a couple of friends so we can spread the word. And to make sure that you get to uh, view or listen to other episodes, go to evolvepreneursecrets.show and sign up for notifications. And until the next time, if you're an entrepreneur, make the start of your next great idea today.